again, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Alpharetta Tech Talk. I'm John Ray, and we are coming to you from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. Folks, you have more connections than you can keep up with. <laughs> Whether it's your friends or your family or your life, Renaissance understands that, and they understand how you bank. They offer mobile banking services that you need. And they also know that sometimes you need to speak to real people with real answers. And that's why they have more than 190 convenient locations throughout the South ready to serve you. For more information, go to renaissancebank.com, Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now we welcome a fascinating guest that I had to get the mics turned on so we could get some of this on the air because she was telling me some great stuff offline. Carmen Allen, Allen Soul Vision. Carmen, welcome. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you here. Um, great stories, and I almost don't know where to start except introduce yourself to folks. Tell them uh, who you are. Tell them about Allen Soul Vision. Sure. Uh, my name is Carmen Allen, and I'm the CEO and founder of Allen Soul Vision, Inc., and we're, uh, we provide solutions to our clients for technology and product innovation. Uh, we began in 1993, and we're a loose um, coalition of industry professionals and experts that come together to serve our clients' needs. And typically, we're, we've been focused on business transformation, and we've been focused on helping the innovation teams bring their offers and products to market and address those challenges. And you work primarily with larger companies, fortune 500 companies, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. You know, companies like IBM, HP, AT&T, um, large um, wireless and mobile carriers uh, internationally in Brazil and in India and in Latin America. Um, and we've also um, helped healthcare industries. I'm working right now with, 4D Healthware, who is a new startup uh, providing remote patient monitoring solutions. Um, and I'm also an investor in that particular uh, company mm -hmm. in the healthcare industry. And we also work with high-tech companies um, who are inventing digital solutions uh, for innovation. Now, you have got <laughs> – you know what you're talking about when it comes to uh, – the challenges that Fortune 500 companies have in bringing their innovation to market because you've got that in your background. I do. I do. I spent six years. The best um, career experience I had was with IBM Research. Mm. Um, and I came from the commercial side of IBM where I was a global services partner in the telecommunications industry where I, I had an industry leadership role. Um, and then I moved into IBM Research to help an incredible team of very, very talented 55-plus uh, scientists at, at Watson Labs in New York, and they were inventing wireless, cognitive, and artificial intelligence solutions. And what was really interesting about getting to know this talented set of researchers, men and women, is they're obviously they're extremely smart sure. and creative, mm -hmm. and they invent what they invent because it's an area of interest for them. Uh, they invent it because they can, and they invent it because they wanted to see and test the art of the possible. 
And my role was to bring the money to the table from an IBM research standpoint and launching those innovations into the market. Yeah, so, what I didn't hear and all those things they're interested in is money. So no, that's where I'm, you come in, I'm right? I'm the money gal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the money gal. So okay. I would sit with a researcher or a scientist and help them understand things like, well, do you know if customers want this? And what this would be in the ideation phase. Um, and the answer might be, well, we don't have access to a lot of customers. So I would use my um, Rolodex and my uh, personal connections from the commercial side to pr provide some of that feedback. We also got their innovations uh, launched into global services um, engagements where they would be trialed uh, as part of the engagement to see what kind of impact it would have um, to the particular client problem or need that was trying to be solved. Um, and then what we did was uh, we would ask questions like, do you have any idea what the market size might be for this innovation? Do you have any idea how we're going to make money? What's the business model? And most of those questions would, they would look at me and say, isn't that what you're here to help us do? <laughs> and that was right. And that's right. what I was doing for six years, finding sure. the route to market. Mm -hmm. What's the best route to market? And there may be more than one. Isn't that an interesting idea that you only don't launch it just one place? You might launch it internally in your product portfolio, but you might also want to take a portion of that innovation or all of it and launch it with, through a third party where it could be an additive capability to something else and you get money. Sure. Um, and so we did all of the, that kind of work and doing competitive analysis to see is anything else like this out there. Sometimes we would find that in the competitive analysis that we did, we would find something similar, but not quite what was being invented. And then we would sit there and brainstorm, what can we add to this to differentiate it so that when we do launch our offer into the marketplace, they'll come to ours and not somebody else's. So that's the kind of work that I enjoy doing with the research culture mm -hmm. and helping companies create a culture of innovation, but one that's aimed at not only the creativity that happens in the innovation cycle, but also aimed at the purpose of making money, making money from it. So how does it work? I mean, how do you work with a big company? Do they bring you on for uh, maybe a specific uh, innovation that they've they've got that they need some help with? Do they have you looking at at uh, their whole portfolio? Both, How, both okay. of those. I mean, okay. I could be brought in specifically for any one of those types of services or analyses that has to be done on a particular innovation, mm. or um, the fun part of every um, research team is to catch them early in the year when the budget has been allocated and they're looking at what is the innovation portfolio that they're going to develop and launch throughout the year. And then, you know, what's the time frame that it takes to get those offers ready to be adopted by either the product teams or the services teams or third parties that that doesn't happen overnight. It could take months to get, get it in there. We try to accelerate it as much as we can. Sure. And usually you, you might want to do, one, two, three trials, um, which we would we would call um, always acronyms, first of a kind trials. But um, you know, we want to get it out there, test it, and see how it behaves mm -hmm. before we say this is ready for prime time. Now let's get adopt it and have the product teams uh, make it part of their portfolio because they, there's a big job um, that's done along those lines is when you incorporate an innovation you have to be able to support it from a customer operation standpoint. Mm. So you have to do everything that you normally would do to launch a, a product successfully so that the customer service and support is excellent. 
What is the big issue, Carmen, or or issues that you see uh, Fortune 500 companies having in terms of bringing innovation to market? You mentioned the disconnect that the creatives or the scientists have with the market. They're not customer-facing. They're not market-facing. What are some of the issues, other issues that, that come up that, that in, inhibit Fortune 500, Fortune 500 companies getting that innovation to market and monetizing it? One of the things um, interesting is that um, the, the, the innovation teams, you want to fail, and you want to fail. Okay, you will fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to actually, let me say it this way, you want to test and, and innovate often. And as you look at those offers, you may have several failures, several things that you should shelve and then move on to something else. That are learning opportunities. That are learning opportunities. Right. But it's hard. Once a team gets focused on doing this particular innovation, they want to keep at it and they want to keep at it. And they that's time and effort that's not placed on an, in another um, innovation that may be more effective mm. for the company. And it's hard sometimes to push them to say, put that on the back burner. Let's go in, in another direction so we can be more effective and have more impact um, you know, to the company overall. And that's one of the challenges is knowing how to manage the portfolio and the entire innovation continuum. And the people. And so, the people, right? so when we were off air uh, before we came on, you were talking about the challenge – and the opportunities yeah. that are involved in managing those scientists. So here comes the money lady, yeah. and, and they probably look at you with a little suspicion, right? Right, they do. And, <laughs> but one of the things, luckily, is I have a very deep technical background, mm. and um, I have a tremendous curiosity. So um, if you can engage the, the culture of innovation, those scientists are wonderful people to learn from. And when you would see something they invented, if you could just be a little bit more curious and ask them, you know, how does this work? How did you make this happen? Mm. Um, And it was fascinating. Um, Let me give you another example of a project that wasn't finished. And I I have to tell you that um, I don't know if they continued it after I um, stopped being involved with this team, but it was based on the premise that, um, and I'm, I'm an artist as a hobby. I do abstract oil paintings. And um, we stumbled upon some research that was being done using fractal analysis to examine a painting Mm. and determine whether or not artists have a particular pattern. Oh, really? And if the fractal analysis can be done and you can establish the pattern for me versus for you, and we bring in a painting and we say, is that a Carmen painting or a John painting? If you did the the, um, neural network technique to do mm-hmm. the analysis of the painting, um, either fractal or through neural network algorithms, you could identify whether or not my pattern was there. And we could use that as just one factor that would be fed into an overall authentication process that could be established for authentication of paintings. You can imagine the impact that might have sure. in the art world. but. It's interesting applying mathematics to a problem like that and seeing what happens. So that was work that was underway, exploratory, but fascinating. Fascinating to me because I was an artist watching how something that the scientific team was building could actually end up helping all of us in the art world. So that was uh, phenomenal. Wow. 
something tells me my paintings would not need fractal fractal analysis though my stick figure paintings but anyway okay um well if folks if you just joined us we're speaking with carmen allen and she is the ceo founder of allen soul vision um so carmen you work with a lot of different industries right we do we do um we've done a lot of work in telecom because that's where um we most of our um team has come out of but they've they've actually moved into other industries a lot of high-tech work i've done a lot of work with cios Uh, i've also done a lot of work uh, in healthcare. um and uh, basically what like i said one of the the most enjoyable and rewarding growth experiences for me was taking the turn to work with the innovation teams and the scientists and helping apply my business acumen and my knowledge and helping them find getting their innovation out of the lab and getting it into the market Mm. in some way so that it would impact your daily life, work or fun, uh, whatever, wherever it ended up. Right. Talk about some of the companies you've worked with in the past. Um, I've worked with IBM, I, obviously with the research team and in sure. global services. I worked with uh, Accenture, which was formerly Anderson Consulting. I uh, also worked with Hewlett Packard in doing some um, um, consulting on how wireless technologies would impact their product portfolio. Uh, worked with equipment manufacturers like Raynet Corporation um, in understanding, helping the whole process of the manufacturing of the equipment and improving that. Um, but that's that process engineering dimension that I told you about earlier. Um, and then I worked with wireless carriers on strategies and internationally on strategies to put together the right set of portfolio of offers that would help them achieve the revenue goals. Uh, and whether or not those offers were aimed at the consumer side uh, of the um, population or whether they were aimed at the enterprise or business side. So we did a lot of work in that regard. And I love working with small, private, innovative consulting firms that have energetic teams that are building new innovations. And I just would would love the opportunity to get some of that experience here as well in Georgia because I know we've got a very innovative group of companies here in Alpharetta and in Georgia that I haven't had um, enough exposure to. You're in the right place, Carmen. Um, and, and they're in the right place to get uh, the benefit of what you can bring to the, to the table there. Um, I think I know the answer to this question because you talked about your IBM, IBM research days. Uh, talk about your most uh, fulfilling growth experiences you've had. It has to be definitely my six years with IBM Research. Sure. Um, the, the talent at IBM Research is, it, there are no words to describe how talented that team is. Mm. Um, you know, leaders in patents, et cetera. Every aspect of, I actually, that's why I call myself a technology futurist because, you know, working with that team, it enables you to really begin to see the future and understand what the future is going to bring. Like I kind of smile when I see this mobile banking, (laughs) um, right. 10 years ago, I was explaining to a CEO of a wireless carrier in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I put a plan together to to show him that if he would launch mobile banking on his wireless portfolio, that he and the banks would make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And it was a company that happened to be a wireless carrier, a bank, it had a distribution arm mm. and it had a retail arm. 
And, you know, I said, wow, you have all the different portfolio companies you need to make something like this mobile payment a tremendous success. And I just sit there today and I said to my husband, I said, I saw this 10 years ago. I saw it coming and now it's like, take it for granted. They got mobile banking. And that's the payments. I take it that CEO did not take your advice. Uh, no, he went ahead and did some, oh, he of, the did? Work. Okay. Did some of the work, you okay. know, but, um, it's, it's slow in coming, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it, some people are afraid of the impact of innovation. And then it's also dependent on their, their portfolio of, of research investment dollars mm-hmm. that they have to spend. So they have to take that, um, bucket of money and say, I'm going to invest and here's, I'm, I'm making a bet. I'm going to invest in these types of technologies, you know, whether it's AI or cognitive or wireless, it's, it's not an easy call because if you make the wrong bet and if the marketplace isn't ready for that type of change or is resistant to it, mm. um, you're, you know, sometimes innovations are ahead of their time. Sure. And I saw this in my six years that I was working with IBM research where, you know, I would ask, you know, have we ever done such and such? And they say, yeah, we did it six years ago and nothing happened. So we put it in the, in the binder. It's on the shelf. It's like collecting dust. (laughs) I said, take it off the shelf. (laughs) Let's dust that off. We got to push that out. Right. Time is now. I mean, timing is everything. Sure. And so that's, that's a challenge they have as well. And that's, you help companies with that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm interested in, in how you, when you work with a company with their whole portfolio, how you kind of sift through their innovations and, and, uh, pair that up against market opportunities. How how does that work for you? For me, first of all, I need to understand, you know, what are the portfolio areas that they have? Sure. And then I try to bring my industry expertise and I do research. I do market research mm-hmm. and trying to determine, are they missing a portfolio? Um, like I would definitely be, sounds simple, but I would be questioning somebody that isn't thinking about today doing innovations in healthcare. I right. mean, I would really, if that, if that particular sector, industry sector is not being addressed, I'd be saying, well, why not? Look right. at the opportunities we have there. Right. Um, so it's sometimes when you're in on the, on the effort internal, you're so um, consumed by the day-to-day job and the things, the goals you have to meet that you don't have the opportunity to step back, look at a bigger picture, look externally, and then have someone like me from the outside come in and say, Hey, um, look at this over here. Did you, did you forget about this? Or how about this? You know, you're working on cognitive, you're working on artificial intelligence, you're working on cloud. Um, why aren't you working on something else or a combination of these, you know, for something? Uh, and it just kind of helps. You're like an innovation coach. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, you, these companies are, they've got a, uh, quarterly mindset imposed upon them by, uh, public markets. Right. Right. So that, I mean, you can understand why their attention is at that time frame. Exactly. And the other thing that I found that was interesting is, they might have launched an offer. So they got all the way through the cycle, launched it, 
but they're not making a lot of money on it. Mm -hmm. And what was the problem with that? Well, the pricing model and the business model for the offer was not handled right. And sometimes there's no technical change to the innovation that has to happen, but the change that could really make a difference as to whether it survives and succeeds is in the pricing. It's in the business model. Um, and, and you could look at that and go, Oh, wait a minute. If we did this with this, we could be doing much better from mm. and measuring the impact that the product has on the shareholders and on the company's revenue. So what you're saying is the, the product is mispriced given the innovation? Either mispriced or misplaced in, in the business model that's mm. used to offer the product and or the channel. They haven't picked the best channel to offer that product in the marketplace. Like there was a lot of, there was a tendency sometimes to say, our companies have a tendency to say, um, I'm going to put it in my own portfolio. Well, sometimes that's good. Mm. But sometimes if you look at some third party companies that are looking for a capability like that and may not have the research dollars to go invent and create that capability, and they probably shouldn't because somebody else has it. Why not team with them and have them license your technology to that company and then have that company be the company that takes that to market in a different channel? And it's just another way to make money. Sure. Now, Carmen, you mentioned that your company is, is like a coalition, a confederation of, 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 a, of a lot of different folks. Talk a little bit more about those people, your team. Sure. How, how you bring them together, who they are, that kind of thing. What, 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 not, not by name, but by no, no. background and expertise. There are industry, relation, uh, industry relationships that we have from mm-hmm. different clients and that we've had experience in. Um, they're um, typically top executives, senior executives that have led large teams, sometimes on the marketing side, sometimes in the operation side, sometimes on the technology side. So we have experiences from all the different areas of, of a company and you know they've been successful in building organizations establishing new processes building teams setting the goals um, both from an operational um, metrics and measurement perspective customer service perspective as well as um, from a technological perspective looking at you know what are the right um, metrics to measure from a um, technology side like you measure Researchers measure a number of patents, number of publications. They measure a number of innovations that make it to the market that are productized this year. Um, you know, when, when I um, started this go-to-market role, I realized that um, one of the interesting things that IBM had was the power to be able to take an innovation through the global services team and have it be part of a portfolio there mm. that had nothing to do with the product teams, and that was very successful. Uh, great work. Now I want to shift gears just a little bit and give everybody a sense of you personally, because you we we talked a little bit about this offline, and then you brought you brought your uh, um, artistic talents to the table here as we as we were talking. Tell tell folks a little bit about your background and your art hobby. Oh, my art hobby is I'm an abstract oil painter, mm-hmm. and I like doing abstract uh, work. And mm-hmm. I'm actually this year. Um, taking some drawing lessons to move me towards more of a representational art. Um, and I'm, I'm enjoying that a lot, but I do love my abstract art and it's um, 
oil and mixed media. Mm. Um, and so I, I do that work. I, uh, I have a tendency to also paint those paintings on a round canvases, which are different. Really? Square canvases. Really? Oval canvases, which makes it a little different. Um, so that's my oil painting side. My other, um, uh, hobby this year is, um, when my mother passed away in 2007, she handed me a notebook and the notebook had 200 pages of poems that were written in Spanish, dedicated to my mother by her father, my grandfather. Mm. And I've had this notebook on my desk all this time. And every now and then I'd read a poem in Spanish and I go, oh, these, these are nice. They have a sentimental value to me and my family. Well, I took a subset of those poems to a famous poet and I asked him to take a look at them. And he called me immediately and told me that my grandfather was what they call a decima poet. Decimas are like a, let's say the analogy would be like a haiku, but they have um, eight syllables per line and 10 lines per stanza. And so my grandfather wrote uh, folkloric poems about Cuba in the 1950s, and they're wonderful examples of decima poems. Oh, wow. And so um, this poet um, is... um, working with me and he's transcribing those and helping me pull together the over 200 poems. And I'm working on the introductory sections of the book about the, my grandfather, the genealogy. Um, and I'm working on the art cover, um, for the book. And he is going to analyze, uh, he's a very famous poet, Victor Portoban, mm. and he has, uh, analyzing the poems and is going to write the forward on the, a poetic and literary value of the work that my grandfather's done. We anticipate having this published in the second half of this year and then doing a little book tour about it and, and launching it. And unfortunately it has to be in Spanish because to meet the cadence of the decima poet, it's mm-hmm. in Spanish. So right. I might be able to translate and say what the story is in each of the poems, but it won't be um, an effort where we're going to translate each poem into English. Sure. Sure. So that's a fun hobby I'm doing. And then wow, my, that's fascinating. It's fascinating. And then yeah. the other hobby I'm do, I do all the time is I grow hybrid tea roses and African violets. I putz around in the garden a lot. You need to do some more interesting things, Carmen. That's <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm being facetious, of course. You 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 you're uh, you've got some awesome interest and talents. Thank you so much. And yeah. uh, I'm really looking forward in this new year. Yeah. I have two wonderful grandchildren, Ashley and Trevor. Ashley's nine, Trevor's 11. They're wonderful. Let's say hi to Ashley hi, and Trevor. Hi, Ashley and Trevor. There it's, you go. It's grandma. Yeah. And uh, Jennifer and Mike that are out there in Tahoe. They're, okay. They live out in Truckee and they're wonderful. And oh, cool. That's beautiful. Beautiful. And mm-hmm. then, but Brian, my son, um, and Asti, his wife, are about to have their first child, my new uh, grandchild. He's, it's eminent. His arrival will happen any minute now. Okay. And I'm sure that's, he, they live in Midtown. So I'm sure that that's going to have some, I'm, I'm, I'm surely hoping he's going to have some impact to my life. There you go. I'm looking forward to it. Every morning I wake up and I go, is everyone okay? Is anything (laughs) coming today? (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. So that's exciting for 2020. And then there's my husband, Jim, who's just absolutely fabulous. Uh, without his love and support, I couldn't do what I do. And you, uh, the two of you work together. Yes, we do. Mm. And he's been with Alan uh, Solvision uh, Consulting since the beginning. And he has done his own work through Alan Solvision and um, led teams um, and been involved um, all along. That's awesome. He's a retired executive with AT&T okay. and Bell South. 
Now, before we wrap it up, uh, one more thing that I want to get to in terms of Allen Soul Vision. Uh, So we've talked a lot about how you work with bigger companies. You kind of sideswiped a little bit the the work you do with startups, and I think you've got some interest in working with startups depending on where they are and what their uh, needs are. Absolutely. I'm I'm really this year, one of my goals is I'm searching for the right um, set of startup companies, innovation companies here in Georgia and outside of Georgia. I, I travel. I've always been a global exec, so I'll mm-hmm. get on and go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But for the right company in the right situation, I'd love to work with their innovation teams. I'd love to get on the board of some of those companies and help the leadership team um, create the innovation culture uh, that they need to succeed. So I'm definitely looking for that. And that's one of my goals this year is to find the right relationships there um, for my career advancement. Well, folks, here she is ready to serve Carmen Allen uh, right here in Alpharetta. Uh, So Carmen, for those that would like to be in touch with you, would like more information, uh, tell them how they can do that. The best way is through my LinkedIn profile. Um, You'll find everything on how to reach me there and, and my cell phone's on there. My email's on there. Uh, so, um, John, I want to thank you so much for sure. letting me come here and be a part of the Alpharetta Tech Talk uh, radio show. Yeah, this has been awesome. Now, uh, just, just to be clear, on, on LinkedIn, you're Carmen P. Allen. Allen. Okay, yep, so people can find you there. Absolutely. Awesome. Terrific. This has been great, Carmen. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Absolutely. So, folks, if you need some kind of closer to the ground help, maybe – help with administrative tasks or bookkeeping, marketing, maybe a presentation prepared, well, go engage a smart and reliable Office Angel. They're not a temp agency or a placement firm. Office Angels matches your business support needs with angels who have the talent and experience necessary to help you maintain and grow your business on an ongoing or as-needed basis. That's a nice way of saying they take a lot of stuff off your plate that you really don't want to have to do, right? Um, you give the terms, you give the timeline, they lend a hand when needed and and, and they fly off when the job is done. Find out more at officeangels.us or call chief executive angel, SES Cabido at 770-442-9246. And SE is awesome. So I encourage you to give her a call if you're in need of any of those services. Folks, just a reminder that, uh, we air this show every Thursday uh, live at 1130. But if you miss the live show, no problem. You can find us on Apple podcast, Google stitcher, tune in Spotify, even YouTube, uh, or your favorite podcast app. I happen to prefer overcast and they owe me a plug for that. But, uh, uh, seriously, uh, you can find us all over the place. So just, uh, uh, search for North Fulton business radio and you'll find, Alpharetta Tech Talk as part of our feed. Uh, you can also go to NorthFultonBusinessRadio.com, find us there, and check us out on social media. And that's North Fulton BRX on Twitter, Facebook, and of course, LinkedIn. So for my guest, Carmen Allen, I'm John Ray. Join me next time here on Alpharetta Tech Talk. Today, you're connected more than ever. Your friends, your family, your life. And banking is what you do on your time, anywhere you like. Renaissance understands how you bank, offering mobile banking services you need. At Renaissance, 
we also understand that sometimes you need to speak to real people with real answers. That's why Renaissance has more than 170 convenient locations throughout the South ready to serve you. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Member FDIC.